Birdman, get in here. All right, sir. What's up? Birdman, I need your help prepping me for an interview today. These two podcasters are going to grill me so hard it'll make George Foreman cry, and there's no way I'm going in unprepared. Help me strap on that dynamite, would you? Uh, are you sure you need dynamite for an interview? Sorry, Birdman, you're going to have to speak up. I've got just the one eye. What exactly will they be asking you? Damn it, Birdman, where'd this melancholy attitude come from? At 7 and 7, we're a business, not a law firm. Uh, actually, sir, we we are a law firm. I'm a lawyer. Stow that away for a a rainy day, Birdman. Now, I'm going to have to bulk up for the camera, so I want you to pick me up some muscle gain powder and $300 worth of beef jerky. And while you're at it, get me a pinstripe suit to divert attention from all the weight I've gained. Sir, why don't you just uh, tell them about the the firm, tell them about uh, how much we value our clients, and and just play it naturally. I'm going to just keep going about my business, assuming you've said yes, sir, like a good downtrodden employee. Now clear the area, Birdman. (sighs) I've got to put on my face and get ready for my money shot. (laughs) Ha ha! Vulgar misinterpretation. Welcome, one and all. We're Ben and Zane, and this is the Carton Cast. We review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. The Carton Cast! Ha ha! Big eggs. <laughs> the biggest of eggs. Uh, that did come up in an <laughs> These episode. These are like extra jumbo. Yeah. So, um,. Yeah, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, is 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 on next on our witness list. Um, yeah, we're having we're having the full bird along with the eggs today. Yeah, um, gonna be so full. <laughs> this we is pretty much Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for, oh my god! Yeah, yep. <laughs> we need to spend some time apart from talking to each other. We keep on thinking of Phil the same jokes. cranberry sauce. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so this is a very interesting take. You decided to, that we were going to watch this show. It's very different yeah, it's from the different. shows we did so far. Very different. Um, so, uh, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, uh, ran on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim programming block, uh, from 2001 to 2007. So right away, this is more adult sense of humor. It, it's a little more racy. They're not afraid of, uh, you know... Well, that's not just Sexual a function of the. Stuff and... That's not just a function of the time. Like, I mean, no, not the yes, time. We but didn't the, start the getting modern. We didn't start getting modern cartoons until maybe the late '90s. But it's not as though all cartoons have a modern sense of humor. To no, I, I don't mean. Um, I don't mean the time it makes it. Uh, a little more adult or racy. I'm saying it, it was on Adult Swim. Oh, yes. <laughs> that tends to which, do Which uh, has other noted racy shows as uh, The Boondocks, anything where somebody's chopping someone in half with a samurai sword. Mm-hmm. Um, like in The Boondocks. The Boondocks again. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like that episode of The Boondocks. Yeah. Possibly the best episode. Um, <laughs> but we are not talking about The Boondocks. By the way, Adult Swim, um, do you recall, were you young enough, were you old enough to remember when they had that uh, no kids allowed out of the pool sort of thing on oh, Adult yeah. Swim? 
Oh, absolutely. And I, re- I just remember watching a bunch of ads for it and then never explaining what Adult Swim was. They're just Weird. like, Adult Swim, kids out of the pool. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, man, I, lo- I lost it. <laughs> That's okay. Your brain is scrambled by shows like uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force and Fooly Cooly. Yes, which this is just as bizarre. Um, mm-hmm. And it's actually going to be harder to talk about, I think, because it's so bizarre and because its sense of humor is so surreal. But yeah. let's just talk about the brass tacks for a second. Um, yeah, so it was created by William Street Productions, which is a, I didn't know this, it's a division of TBS. Is it? Um, yeah, they, they know funny. And it's uh, based loosely on Birdman and the Galaxy Trio, which was from the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, William Street is also responsible for other Adult Swim programs, starting with uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, which the show borrows a lot of its humor and style from. There's a few shows that it's just taking Hanna-Barbera characters or, like, old shows, and it just repurposes all of them. Um, C-Lab 2021 yep. comes to mind as well. Yeah, and I was considering all of those to, to do for the show, but, um, I, I don't know. Harvey Birdman, uh, above those other ones, seems to have a, a, a more consistent, um, uh, you know, episode-by-episode framework to work off of, whereas the other ones could get just kind of absolutely insane. Well, it's also a it's also just a more interesting plot synopsis because, mm-hmm. I mean, Space Ghost Coast to Coast is kind of interesting in the same way that this is because they are no longer doing their superhero thing. They're taking, yeah. you know, regular jobs, being... <laughs> taking the superhero out of the superheroes and just making them all mundane office workers. Whereas C-Lab 2021, they're kind of exactly where they are, but now they're just, like... Silly. Appealing to stoners in their early 20s or late teens. Yeah. So, yeah, so Harvey Birdman was originally a superhero in the 60s for Hanna-Barbera, which was, Mm -hmm. you know, they did everything. Yes. Um, (laughs) And the idea is he's now an attorney working at the law offices of Seven and Seven. Yes. Um, Um, And he's taking the cases of other Hanna-Barbera characters like the Jetsons, Scooby, Yogi Bear. Right. And and most of the humor of this show comes from the fact that, you know, all of those shows tended to have like some fan theories about... I mean, there's mm -hmm. two sources of humor in this show, right? There's one where we have the reference to Hanna-Barbera cartoons where things were could have been misinterpreted in an adult sense of humor way, and now they are explicit, almost explicitly said, those jokes. <laughs> right. You know, like uh, Johnny Quest's dad and um, whatever the other guy's name is, uh, having Race a custody Bannon. battle. Yeah, custody battle. And yeah. Heavy implications that they're gay lovers. Uh, mm-hmm. Shaggy and Scooby being stoners, that whole thing. And they really get to right. marinate in those... <laughs> You know, those obvious, <laughs> those obvious tie-ins. The other right. source of humor is just because of how hilarious it's it surreal. is to see all of these superhero characters in a mundane office job environment. Right. And so there's a lot of absurdist humor and things that, you know, if you actually tried to, like, pay attention to them, it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Which I think is what the show was trying to do is to say, hey, if you look at these old shows... um, they don't really make any sense if you think of, like, this in the real world. Um, in the same way that, you know, have you ever stopped to think about the plot of, like, a Mario game? It makes no sense. But, no, that's not, that's not really a good analog, though, because the plot doesn't really progress in a Mario game. Unless you get, like, to Seven Stars or Mario Galaxy or something. You kind of just go through the levels with the plot in mind. 
I would say that the same is true of shows like uh, uh, Scooby. There, there's not really any plot progression. It's just every every game or every show. It's just hey, new crazy monster. Let's sneak around and uh, defeat him and unmask him, and there you go. And it's a very odd thing because that's not like do teenagers in real life do that? No, they do not. <laughs> and so I think that's kind of why the absurdist humor works for this because. This show turned a critical eye onto the conventions of every show except itself. I'm not. I'm not sure it does. Uh, I, I think you say it turns a critical eye toward it, but I. I kind of thought it was more loving than a, that. A surreal critical eye. I mean, <laughs> it's all in good fun. This is not a serious. Yeah. Show by any stretch. <laughs> not a scathing criticism. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it. It's clear. Th- through the entire progression of the show, how much the creator loves everything from Hanna Barbera. Right, right. You, you never get the, you never get the um, the implication that he is not a huge fan of all of the things that he's borrowing to make his show. Right, and we should say that uh, the creators are Michael Oweline and Eric Richter. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? They couldn't do? find anything else. I couldn't find anything else really. Interesting. I found the uh, voice acting very interesting in this one, but not so much the actual production history. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot. It's, you know, I'm sure the original, like the Space Ghost uh, show had an interesting production history, but this one's just like, hey, that one worked. Let's do another one. Maybe, now I was going to try to say something about how Space Ghost was like produced by 7 and 7 or how Harvey Birdman (laughs) was produced by like the Space Ghost, like... I don't know. I don't know where I'm well, going, uh, where I was going with that. Well, C Lab had that episode where they were like, "All right, and scene." Oh yeah, and sponsored they, by yeah. uh, uh, whatever Grizzlebees. Grizzlebees, that's right. Grizzlebees and, and no, that was the yeah. movie that was sponsored by Grizzlebees. <laughs> that's intern that's sponsored right. C Lab 2021. <laughs> um, Man, why don't we just do C Lab? Well, well, um, <laughs> because well, I mean that's. I think the best part about this show is that this is not an alternate history. Like, C-Lab is sort of an alternate history, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, if these characters were actually in this situation with these themes in mind. This is not an alternate yeah. history. They're picking up off of the super... Like, this is after they're done superheroing, Harvey settles yeah. down at a law office. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's such an interesting concept. Yeah, um, and it's not really that interesting how they deal with it. Because there's no, like, character development in such a surreal show. You kind of just show up and watch the madness. But it's still fun to watch. Do you want to... I guess let's just talk about the characters immediately. I think it'll all come out. um, The main character, of course, is Harvey Birdman. Yeah. Um, I guess Birdman is his last name. (laughs) Do you think it was back then as well? Or do you think he just kind of uh, conscripted the the moniker Birdman to, like, help his public image. So, in the original Birdman and the Galaxy Trio? Hold on, let mm-hmm. me look this up. I, I He had an alter ego, and I didn't write it down. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. It was, like, alliterative or something. Yeah, because they all were. Because <laughs> that's just uh, how people did things back then. You know, that's one of the reasons uh, Stan... Um, Wow, I can't remember the guy with Marvel. Stan Lee. Stan, Stan Lee. Yeah, he kept on making alliterative names because they were easier for uh, people to remember and start to develop uh, some, you know, attachment toward. Which is why you got your Bruce Banner and your Peter Parker, etc. Yep. And um, so Birdman was Ray... 
Damn it, I already forgot. I, Ray Randall. <laughs> I, I looked it up and then I immediately yeah, forgot it. It's a boring name. It, you just want to call him Birdman, which is convenient how the show doesn't just call him Harvey, Birdman. though. Harvey's a great lawyer name. Yeah, yeah. It's very white guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ray is also a white guy, but it's a different kind of white guy. You can kind of see Ray mm. being shaped a little bit lankier. Harvey's got a bit yeah. of a stockiness to him. Harvey wears a suit. I'm talking about the like the platonic ideal of Harvey right now. Yeah. Yeah. The platonic ideal of Harvey wears a suit. I agree. Very well. Yeah, like. yeah. He looks good in it. <laughs> like he the the mask, um, the cowl, uh, and the suit over that, it I don't know, it looks really great. It doesn't yeah. look that funny, <laughs> but it just I don't know, it's it's it, it's a consistent whole somehow. Yeah. Cause, you know, it's not like Birdman in the full costume, that was his job, and then he retired and he put on a suit. He's still wearing his outfit. Yeah. The suit <laughs> <over>. <laughs> Yeah, as though he could, like, go into a phone booth at any time if anyone needs him, which, you know, nobody does. <laughs> like, not even within the context of a lawyer. Um, right. We should say that he is voiced by Bill Lumberg from Office Space, which is interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actor's name Gary Cole. Yeah, that that's great. That's that's just great. <laughs> uh, I thought it was. Oh yeah, I I I know it was Gary Cole, and I wrote down Gary Chloe. So <laughs> <laughs> at least you didn't write down uh, Gary Coleman. Yeah, that is a very different. That would have been one. a very different show. Yeah, can you imagine the whole show with just uh, him as an LP? I guess if Reducto <laughs> hit him, he. What if whenever Reducto hit him with the shrink ray? He was suddenly voiced by Gary Coleman. <laughs> Instead of just the helium effect? Yeah, yeah, um, which I'm a pretty big fan of. I like how in the courtroom, yeah. Reducto will shrink him, and they'll just start battling whilst doing the case. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, like you know, the, they, they can't help themselves. Just let them just still, let them work it out amongst themselves. He's still a superhero. He still has that need to help people. Um, mm -hmm. you can tell like he's got he's got quite a conscience about him um and he wants i think to go back into the superhero gig and i didn't get the i, I didn't get the feel like he was like an old man who was like too old for the superhero gig like yeah. i just think the world grew up around him and no longer needs that yeah he he's not washed up um uh it's sort of like in major pain <laughs> you know how like all the battles <laughs> are fought in the halls of congress now except that they seriously <laughs> aren't like he would be a very successful superhero in the context of this show because there's a bunch of rampaging oh, sure. villains all over the place for no reason yeah everybody's trying to kill him yeah um <laughs> i do like what you said though i it it is true that birdman is by far the most serious person on this show he takes his job with at least a modicum of dignity which is not mm -hmm. a thing that anyone else in the law office does. Yeah. There's um which is interesting. You know, there's there's this concept in comedy called the straight man and basically, you know, any famous pair, Abbott and Costello, Laurel and Hardy, you need the crazy guy and you need the straight man to bounce things off of and to react as any of us would in an absurd situation. The benefit of Birdman as a straight man is the concept of Birdman is ridiculous. Um, yes but it's drowned it's sort it's of his own parody he's drowned out because the whole world is just crazy around him yeah i mean but they make it seem like oh another day at the office oh time travelers how, how can i help you yeah <laughs> he was the straightest <laughs> man there is in his unfazed pants. 
unfazed. Yep. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Um yeah, which yeah, the 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 sexual innuendo, all of the referential humor, the absurd situations going on around him really shines a light on that contrast. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, who who is Birdman supposed to represent as far as the audience goes here? Are we Birdman? I I think we're Birdman. Um, you know, the world grew up around us. Uh we no longer you know, these cartoons that we grew up with no longer have the same innocence that they used to, and we're just trying to react as best we can to this crazy workaday world. So whenever anything weird happens, a lot of times, instead of responding to it, it'll just be like, okay, just stare at it for a second, much the way adults do to a lot of uh, modern teenage culture. That's really, that's actually really good. And like, Yeah, not bad for something I just came up with. How about, how about <laughs> this? Let's keep going. I watched like, I watched like 20 episodes and that didn't occur to me and now it just did. Let's try to stuff this file folder and, you know, and prevent it from getting expunged or what the fuck you're not, ever I You're not sure how to, to fill say. time either, huh? <laughs> Let, let's keep filling this. Um, let's, uh, so let's say we had, you know, a millennial. I use that word too much, but it is applicable. Someone with a more surreal referential sense of humor who didn't grow up with this stuff. Would you say that they are Phil, perhaps? You mean like um, somebody who's discovering all this weird stuff for the first time and and reacts to it like a no, like no, a child no. would? I mean somebody who's grown up in a world full of this surreal stuff, oh. where the humor, where the sense of humor is stilted in this way, and then they encounter Birdman, whom is serious to a fault. Yeah, these are these are two responses to an absurd postmodern world. Yeah, I, I I didn't think of it like that until then, but it's it's interesting how a show can kind of have opposite viewpoints depending on which character you are uh, empathizing with. And mm-hmm. what's really cool is you can kind of see yourself empathizing with either Birdman or anti-Birdman, as the case may be, because pretty much everybody and, else in this show is sort of anti-Birdman. And if you haven't seen this show, um, first off, start at the second season. Yes, but secondly, the, the show is not as serious as we're making it. No. And in <laughs> fact, like, I, I'll come back to it later. Um, I found that the bear really cements the idea that we don't have to focus what we're, on what we're watching. <laughs> so we're pretty much <laughs> off the hook as far as com- getting a, like a grand unified theory for the universe that we're in. Um, yeah. But we don't know anything now we're talk- else. <laughs> now we're talking about bears. <laughs> yeah. No, no, just the one. <laughs> 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 but, I didn't realize that that's where it came from. Really? I do that noise a lot. You just thought that I was making ridiculous noise? No, like um like if I want somebody's attention, um like somebody that I'm like close with, instead of saying hey or whatever, I'll just go like hmm. <laughs> and then if like if they don't pay attention to me, I'm like hmm. Truly, we can learn it's a lot like, from It's like those birds that just go uh it's like those birds that just go Hoo-hoo. Oh, I hate those. The they wake me up all the time. It's so regular. Yeah. Oh man. So yesterday, um, I so okay. Nothing. Two happened. days ago, I went to bed around <laughs> three a.m. Yeah. And uh, and so yesterday, I was like, oh man, I'm gonna sleep so late. It's gonna be great. No, six a.m. Bunch of bikers outside of my window, just <laughs> going as loudly as possible. Two like, questions. Like on the sidewalk. Two questions. By bikers, I assume yeah. you mean motorcyclists. 
Yeah. Did they have a gang? No, it was just three guys. Were they wearing their houses' colors? There was a guy with a leather jacket, a guy with a bandana, and then, like, a middle-aged housewife who, like, was still in her pajamas. It, it was really surreal. <laughs> I kind of like that. I like that better than, like, a, a theme biker thing, <laughs> because, like, it, it's, it says to me that they didn't all embark at the same time. Like, one guy yeah. rode off, and then somebody else is like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to join him. And just <laughs> immediately hopped on a, on a hog and, and went at it. Um, which I'm I think selling I these fine leather jackets. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, um, and uh, sorry. second question, 3 a.m., yep. what were you doing? You were uh, watching so Harvey went... Birdman. That's what <laughs> no, you were doing. I went down, to, uh, went down to celebrate the new year, and I saw oh, Dave. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then I decided, hey, I'm not going to stay over. I'm just going to drive back late. I love driving at night. It's not bad. You can, you can kind of sing uh, Mad World and not feel judged. It's kind of nice. I sing Mad World all the time. Yeah, but we judge you. The, the Tears for Fears version, right? Not the, uh, no, not no, the no. Adam Lambert kind? No, no, no. The Adam Lambert kind. The, ah, the one from Donnie no. Darko. It's better. It's too sad. That's why you, that's get why the you Tears for Fears. Right. You, get that, you get that bongo stuff in. Great. I like how Tears for Fears is not as sad as some random guy. Uh, Phil? Yes, Birdman, what is it? Well, we all know you have our safety and security foremost in your mind, but... Cut to the quick, Birdman. I have a conference call at 2 o'clock. Oh, and I'm gonna need to borrow your car battery. For the conference call? Well, actually, it's more like an interrogation. By the way, uh, yeah, you mentioned that you, uh, were running into our other brother, our older brother, David... Um, it would have been pretty Dave. sweet if he could have joined us because one, he's watched probably more of Harvey Birdman than we have, and two, he is now a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, so this is... <laughs> offered quite a bit of expertise on this one, but nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was hoping to get some actual like legal advice on this show. Like, uh... maybe it's just as well that we have exactly the same amount of legal expertise as Harvey. Harvey seems to. He, he's not a great lawyer. Like, he has good courtroom demeanor. Um, but like there are times when he's in court and he seems to be making stuff up. Like he'll show a clip show being like, look at this damning evidence. And it'll be like him and Boo Boo in the shower. Like he hasn't, he he didn't look at it yet. (laughs) Yeah, he's not good. He's, I think he has like a three hour correspondence course degree on his, on his, (laughs) on his wall. He's also the biggest link to whenever the show wants to have like a tie in to a serious issue, Mm -hmm. which is, which is. You know, we, we at least need that one straight man so we can get all these plot lines that have, like, a, a drug addiction or, like, peanut hitting puberty and, yeah. you know, get that link to a real issue so that we can make fun of it. They deal with serious issues. Um, yeah, they deal with, like, serious legal cases. Yeah, like the uh, Scopes trial about uh, teaching evolution in schools. I saw that one. Yep. Yeah, a lot of different uh, things. The, the gay marriage... Um... You know, adoption thing, the drugs. Mm-hmm. They, they deal with a lot of serious issues. They just do it in a way that kind of glosses over the fact that they're dealing with serious issues. Yeah, uh, which I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like it maybe uh, cheapens the issues a little bit. But you're watching Harvey Birdman, mm. Attorney at Law, so you can't really get too can't really get too caught up in your own personal agenda. <laughs> yeah, no, it's this um, is not the battle you want to pick, it. social justice warrior. Like, like, the, the, the Jetsons internet. come back from the future to sue the world for messing up the environment. And you're not focusing on, like, oh, global warming's so terrible. You're focusing on the fact that, like, the they're Jetsons. so used to conveyor belts, they can't walk across the 
can't walk across the floor. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it really, the, every, every aspect of this show is telling you not to take it seriously, which thank God, mm-hmm. because if you <laughs> kind of had everyone being as serious as Harvey, like I would actually start thinking about the court issues and just kind of get upset. Yeah. But then you have Mentok the Mind Taker, Booy. I love Mentok. Yeah, we'll we'll get into him. But you have all these characters that are just telling you over and over again, like, yeah, these are serious issues. Don't worry about it. We're going to get some sub, like, three or four subplots going at once. You won't have to focus. Yeah, I, uh, first week of grad school, it's, man, I'm I'm pretty stupid. Did you know that? Yeah, I figured I get to look forward to that soon. Yeah. It's just... It won't be as bad for you if you if you go in this next year. You haven't been out for too long, and you've been steadily doing stuff that's semi-scholastic, so close but enough. You're just, is it like the stupid where you're like, oh man, how could I possibly have forgotten that? Or is it just like, I have no idea what's going on? That second one, usually. Oh, uh, jeez. Although, you know, I don't have anything better to do. You know, I don't have any girlfriend here. I'm not in any clubs, so <laughs> I don't there feel too bad about using most of my free time just catching up. That's like a bright side. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing bright side colored contacts, I would say. <laughs> That'd be a good name for a business, bright side. I was just thinking that that is, a, that is not a bad name for an album of some sort. Bright side colored but contacts. You, you couldn't spell it the normal way, though. Why? You mean like, wait, what do you mean? I have no clue what you're talking about anymore. Like, it would have to be, like, bright, B-R-I-T-E, and then side, like, dark side. Like, like dark side, yeah. Why did I know you wanted to spell it like dark side? That has nothing to do with with the function of it. You're just like, I want to spell things weird. No, like, that's that's his his nemesis. Bright side? Yeah. That's not bad. I I don't like that. just thought of that. Let's talk about some of the other characters, because um, their sure. interactions with Birdman are, are what drive a lot of the uh, scenes forward. Uh, that is true. Whether or not those scenes are important is its own <laughs> separate question, to which the answer yeah. is no. But the other biggest character, I think it's fair to say, is Phil Ken Seven. Yes. Voice- um, and this is a character from yeah, the original... Um, this is a character from the original Birdman cartoon. Um, it's a yeah. play on his character's name in the original show, Falcon 7. Mm-hmm. Also his boss uh, in but that new- one. <clears throat> yep, and he's basically a suit and tie guy, but he's got a big old eye patch. Yep, and he's voiced by Stephen Colbert. And Amazing. <laughs> man, <great>. I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what to say about him. He's, he's so iconic, he sort of defies description. Like, yeah, he's, he is every, like... If Harvey Birdman is the serious, cares about his clients, wants to uphold the law, but also do the right thing, mm. Phil Kinsevin is the opposite. <laughs> yeah. In every way. Being so much of a counterpoint to Harvey is almost like, it almost gives you a sense of um, Harvey's kind of having like a midlife crisis. Like, I can't believe this yeah. guy got promoted above <laughs> me. I have to follow his <laughs> rules, even, so he's such, even though he's such a douchebag. <laughs> he's um, quite a character. <laughs> The uh, it's interesting the Stephen Colbert uh, playing him because what happened was in the fourth season they started paying more attention to his character. Um, yep, like his daughter came on and became Bird Girl and stuff like that. And for those um, of you who have been following anything that's happened on TV for the last seven years, you know that the Colbert Report is the thing. Right. Huh. Well, when Stephen Colbert left 
the sh- the Birdman show to do the Colbert Report full time, the show really suffered because they had put so many eggs in that basket. Um, yeah, didn't mean yeah. didn't mean to make an egg joke there. Um, but interestingly, okay. Colbert also auditioned for the role of Birdman originally. Really, I did not know that. Which I'm like, <clears throat> that would have ruined it for me. Think so? Maybe like, he's got too comedic a voice. I, but we might have a he might he have does. a better range. I don't know. I don't think I've ever heard him in any serious context actually now that I think Well, about he it. he's now he's leaving the his show, right? And he's taking over the Tonight Show? Is that it? Is that the true? Tomorrow Show? Yeah, he's taken over from that guy whose name I can never remember. Letterman? The other guy? I have no idea. If that is true, that's very strange to me. Isn't it? <laughs> I don't know it's how to... Strange for two, it's strange for two reasons. One, he's apparently not going to be doing the show in his character, like the staunch ultra-conservative character. He's just going to be yeah. himself. Yeah, and I, also, I wouldn't think so. Who would take over for him on the Colbert Report? Or are they just getting rid of it? I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe I think it'd be really funny time. if they got some other comic <laughs> to, to do it. Maybe they'll get the horrendous replacement voice actor that they used for the uh, DS game for Harvey Birdman Attorney at Law. Did you hear about that? I did. So apparently they made a video game Yeah, um, based on, on like this. Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney sort of mechanics. And uh-huh. a big draw of the game was supposed to be, you know, this character because he's the most iconic character in the show. But because Stephen yeah. Colbert did not voice him, it was very, very much frowned upon. Which is a shame, because it looked like it could have been a good game. I mean, people like the Ace Attorney series. I haven't played it, but it's got the show's humor and the pacing. Does and it? also, you can some... Uh, apparently. And mm. also, you can sometimes shoot the other attorney in the chest and win, de- and win by default. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. I want that kind of, like, extra option. Like, you're playing Harvest Moon, and you just decide to take a sickle to somebody and see what plays out. That's not too bad. <laughs> like, you can, you can expand that to real life, too. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like if you're at the grocery store and I'm like, I don't want to pay for my groceries. Bam, pickaxe to the pickaxe to the chest for the <laughs> of the uh, of the clerk. But I mean, you I remember you have to have some like I don't know opposing force to tell you that it's not okay to do that too often. You know, some sort of penalty uh-huh. system. I don't really know how I do that I in just, real life, um, though. I just remember when we were younger, you were you were showing me Harvest Moon, and you were like, oh, it's so cool, it's such a good game. And I was like, what? There's not even any battles. Because I was, like, really into that at the time. And you were like, you want to see a battle? And you start beating the dog. I don't remember that. <laughs> it's really sticking out in my memory. <laughs> I will have to ask you copious questions about how I played <laughs> Harvest Moon back in the day. Because I must have blocked it all out. Um, uh. Let's talk more about Phil Kenzebin, though. Um, I do think yeah, Phil the fact that he is voiced by Stephen Colbert is very important to his character. Like, I don't think you could do it without Stephen Colbert because it it is really the whole... He is so starkly contrast to Birdman's seriousness. He is so surreal that uh, mm-hmm. that you need an equally s- surreal par- parodist sort of to voice him, I guess. I do love his humor, even though it like makes no sense. One of his main characteristics is that after somebody says something that could even vaguely be suggestive, he will say, ha ha, and then like Bulgarian. something to, he might even just say, multiple entendre. Yeah, <laughs> ha ha, bye, curious. I, <laughs> the amount of double entendre that from Phil is sizable, but it's not actually the unique source of it in this show. You got, no. 
you got Supervolt, aka Black Vulcan. Um, he'll he'll sometimes just show up in a scene randomly to say in his pants afterwards. Yep, which is, which is a cool. great catchphrase. Do you ever see uh, Hiram Mitor? Just like whenever someone says like something referencing a dick, it'll like shoot to him in a kiddie pool, and he'll be like waving like a a foam noodle. He'll just be going daily. <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> It's and it'll like good. cut right back. Yeah, yeah. This show is very immature for uh, <laughs> for a show aimed know, at, some a, of, at for some of the weight that we've put on it. Uh, it's so good. It's such a good show. I wasn't sure how I would um, go back into it. You know, I, I I said you know don't watch the first season when I uh, I started with the first episode, and I'm like, this is a lot slower and less good than I remember. It's but slower, it really and it focuses more on the courtroom. And then yeah. from the second season on, it's more like an office place drama that just happens to take place in a courtroom. Yes, absolutely. So <clears throat> I wouldn't say that the fourth wall is ever quite intact in this show, but <laughs> but there is an occasion, like occasionally someone will directly refer to the fact that it's a show. And whenever that yeah. happens, it's usually Phil. He is just the ur example of surrealist humor and flying in the face of the show's conventions. What's the matter with you, Birdman? Do you support the thief? Is that it? Do you not value our very way of life? No, no, it's not that. And what? You think I have nothing better to do than gather information on you and use it against you? Do you think I'm that petty? Oh, of course not. Oh, and by the way, you're not working hard enough. What? Yep, got it all on this tape right here. Yeah, the other characters are within the context of the show. Like, they are, they're buying into the whole thing. They just, um act the way that crazy characters from these cartoons would, yeah, would act. Yeah, they're insane um, within the continuity, but they're within the continuity. Phil is, like, <laughs> just visiting from a parallel dimension. It's really weird. Yeah. It's like, oh, I heard I could go into this dimension and make money. Sold. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but Colbert also voices one of the other characters that I, I find really fun to watch. Uh, Reducto. My Reducto. Yep. Who is uh, oftentimes Birdman's opponent in the courtroom. Yeah, and he's like this mad scientist who's obsessed with shrinking things and making things small. Yeah, which I guess you could like. This is just another one of those Hanna Barbarisms that you can refer to and like emphasize <laughs> <laughs> emphasize the. I like uh, that. Thank you. Patent. <laughs> it's pretty good. You, you can just kind of emphasize the characteristics and make it into its own joke, which is it's what this whole it's what this whole show is doing. Uh-huh. They. They never explain or develop these tie-ins to the former 1960s character. They just embrace it wholeheartedly. <laughs> they, like, he never gets an explanation for why he's so obsessed with small things. He's right. just, he just is, but to an even greater degree. They do um, lampshade that kind of thing. The fact that they've pretty much just been copy-pasted from the old show. Because mm-hmm. um, there's one episode that pretends to be from the original like Birdman show in like 67. But it's very clearly done with the modern style and voices. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's actually Birdman flying around <laughs> and like doing superhero stuff, and Reducto saying the same thing. But it also has that '60s aesthetic where they focus on things that you're not quite sure why. They talk <laughs> in weird, slanted ways. Yeah, it was a very good episode. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it'll be like for some reason I've lost my underpants. Oh, there they go. Like from one shot to the next <laughs> yeah. because somebody forgot to like draw in, in that one shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of these, a lot of this show is just kind of enjoying the fan theories and eccentricities of the characters without the context of a serious superhero show, which yeah. <laughs> is even 
yeah, it's just shining a little light on the surreal aspects of the 1960s cartoons, which is great. <laughs> um, I did want to talk yeah. a little bit about Peanut. Yeah. Whom is a hyper-competent, malicious, lecherous clerk um, that works for Birdman. And in the 1960s he show, he was Bird too. Boy. Yeah, because he's yeah. the same character as that. But he's totally different from the 1960s Birdman, like that's what I was gonna say. He's a sociopath, and yet he technically has the same role as in the 1960s. Like he's this character's like young ward, you know? Yeah, the intern. Yeah, and just look at all the characters for a second. Phil is still his boss. Mm-hmm. Peanut is still his young ward. Reducto is still a villain. But it's this weird inversion, which in which no one treats Birdman with even an ounce of respect. it's just adapted to it's adapted to this new setting where none of those conventions or relationships seems to make any sense so no one really pays them that much attention Mm -hmm. it's very it's refreshing i think it kind of washes the taste out of that 1960s um formula out of my mouth real nice it's very cathartic and and i think it had to be done using this pre-existing uh materials um, because if you tried to explain how these relationships developed on their own, it, it wouldn't make that kind of sense. <laughs> well, you can't explain anything <laughs> in this show or else it just fails. <laughs> right. Why is there a huge talking hippo? Yeah, Peter Potamus. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> Why is there. he so obsessed? Like, that's, he's a great example for this show embraces its weirdness and doesn't try to explain any of it because he's constantly <laughs> saying, did you get that thing I sent you? We're never clear why he's obsessed with it. He said it one time, and then just the fans, like, united and said, this is the best thing ever, keep doing it. And they're like, okay. To the point at which if anybody does not respond to when he when they get that thing he sent him, he turns into, like, the hippo hulk. It's, yeah. like, he gets that angry. It makes Also, no in sense. one episode, they, they go back in time, and he's worshipped as the god Sencha. <laughs> oh, yeah. You get that and then I the next you. episode, they reference it like it's nothing. Like, Phil comes in and he's like, remember when we had that hot tub that sent us back in time? Yeah. I need you to clean that up. Like, <laughs> yeah. The yeah. weirdest kind of continuity. Uh, um, what was that? It, Peter it... Potamus, actually, um, <clears throat> I, I found this interesting thing online. Apparently, the phone number that they use um, on the show, mm-hmm. it's like 855-BIRDMAN or something, or like Manbird. Mm-hmm. Um Apparently, they, it used to be a real one. Um, I tried calling it, but out, it was out of service. Oh, that's a shame. But the internet, but the internet says that there's like a voicemail by Peter Potamus. That's good. <laughs> but I couldn't find a transcript of it online. That is that is great. Yeah. How user friendly they're trying to make this absurdist show. <laughs> um, let's see. They're trying to connect the realms. There's a there's one other character that I really like. Um, you already mentioned it a little bit. Men talk the mind taker. Voiced favorite by... character, hands down. Really? Yeah, he's pretty good. Whenever, I whenever I get to, we get to the courtroom scene and it's Hiram Miter, I get pretty upset. Like, just not yeah. as much fun. Mentok's primary duty seems to just be fucking with the legal process, just because he can. <laughs> he doesn't really. <laughs> he has like a Superman esque backstory. Did you see that? Really? Yeah. I didn't look into it's... it sent away from his like exploding planet and the last thing uh the last thing his mother says to him is don't go into law go into like global domination instead but 
Yeah. Um, who did you say he was voiced by? He's voiced by Michael Higgins. Um, you probably have not watched any Legend of Korra, but no. he voices uh, a corrupt businessman uh, known as Varric, um, who just kind of shows up whenever they need like a, a slightly evil teammate who knows business. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I'm always pretty. Yeah. I'm always pretty happy when he shows up. He's got that real gregarious, like speedy sort of speech. It's it, it's it's the sort of same thing that um, Phil Ken Seven does. I just like that. Yeah, I like that voice pattern. I guess. Well, Men- Mentok is another one of these kind of meta characters that that makes fun of the whole situation. You know, he'll just spend five minutes making fun of the bailiff, or he'll, uh, <laughs> you know, he'll he'll predict in like one of those like stage reading kind of things predict what the uh jury will say <laughs> like in a little card in his head like mm, guilty and then he opens it and is like aha i was right <laughs> so you call mind taking except no substitutes yeah yeah he doesn't um i don't think he actually does much mind taking no he he just it's just <laughs> shorthand for like Psychic powers. Telekinesis. Yeah, psychic powers. He, instead of a gavel, he has a brain on a pencil. <laughs> it makes a squishy sound, yep. Uh, yeah, no, just everything about him, I really dig. I, I really dig it, too. Although, theme-wise, there's nothing we can say about him that hasn't already said about been said about Phil. And like I said, the overwhelming majority of this universe is just not serious and breaks the fourth yeah. wall and just treats Birdman like shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. The The... Pacing of the show, I think, is an interesting point. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, the tone is that it's very silly. Um, and there's, like, there's references that I don't get. Uh, there's a little bit of just looking back and forth at each other without saying anything. But for the most part, the show is very fast-paced. It just fires off enough odd behavior in absurd situations that you don't really have time to pick apart that joke. You just you just enjoy the ride. That That is very true. And I actually, I, I, had, I had internally phrased it a little bit differently. Um, not so mm-hmm. much that you don't have time to pick apart the joke. You don't have any a chance to adapt to any one kind of joke. Like the best <laughs> part, the best parts of the show are when they hit you with jokes from like six or seven subplots in quick succession, and you're just like, you just you can't really get used to any of them. So like any yeah. any new joke is just that much funnier because it catches you off guard. You're constantly getting joke whiplash. Like, hello, mail bomb. Uh, <laughs> Um, Assassination. Hey, can I have that back? I just remember. Fertilizer. Almost out of minutes. Same-sex marriages. Patagonia. Nader for president. Just to give yeah. an example, like the prosecutor for the other side, Freezoid, is like talking to Harvey, and he's got fr- freezing powers, so he's constantly like making people trip and like throwing his business card on them afterward as like a personal injury attorney. <laughs> Um, while he's talking to Harvey, and then there's a quick cut to Harvey in a courtroom nursing an eagle egg that with like an Avenger hand puppet, and then immediately an evil Knievel knockoff rides into the courtroom, like breaking apart a banner and just crashing into like one of the one of the stands. It's really it's just and it's like five seconds. All of those and things, all this happens. Did in. all of those things make sense in context? Yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> wow, isn't that weird? But like that is weird. That's the thing. They set up these jokes that they are going to be able to make. But then they just keep calling them back with different frequencies. You just you can't get used to you can't remember anything quick enough for it to make sense. As soon as you remember it and it makes sense, they hit you with a different one. It's just really yeah, nice. And, and it's all the more impressive uh because the show is only like 12 minutes long per episode. Mhm. 
I mean, this is also one of the most strictly comedy shows we've done. I don't even think we've done anything that's as strict comedy, except for, like, maybe Sheep in the Big City. Like, there's no... Right. We're not worried about, like, you know, Timmy growing up at all, or, you know, having a moral at the end of the story, like Darkwing Duck. Humor above everything. Humor ergo... Wait, what what, what what's that Latin term? I can't remember. Humor uberalis? That's pretty good, yeah. Humor uberalis. It sounds like a bone in, like, your arm. Humor Uberalis. <laughs> the humor Uberalis? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's the bone that you... Uh, it's the funny bone, right? It's a growth on the funny bone. <laughs> right, right, right. That encompasses the entire funny bone. It's an inflammation of the metapetatharpal gland. That's right. <laughs> wow. So you just made a callback to something I made up in high school, which nobody yep. else has... I'm pretty sure you haven't said it since then. <laughs> so I use it as frequently as I can. We, <laughs> like I tell my students that the reason that they have senioritis is because of an inflammation in the metapetatharpal gland. You're, that's and verbatim like, what I put on my like on yep. our like uh, n- you know newspaper, like our fake newspaper. It, it <laughs> stuck right with me. Man, I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> Man, I got I got yeah. I need to clear my head for a sec. Where where exactly uh, were we? You were telling me how the the pacing is just very fast. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's sort of a linear relationship. The faster the pace, the more com- comedic the tone. What do you think? Um, I definitely agree. I have found fast humor good. And, I mean, it's easy to do fast humor poorly. You really need quality jokes in succession. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot harder to get, you know, five jokes in a row that are, like, se- seven out of tens than it is to do, like, one joke that's a nine out of ten. Yeah, and... When you're drawing from such a large uh, history book, so to speak, yeah. you can really throw like any any amount of jokes in from these various continuities and have them still really reflect that whole making fun of our source material sense of humor. And I, I think the continuities are why they're able to get away with so much because they're assuming you have some familiarity with them already. And if not the if not the cartoon specifically, at least cartoons like it. Yeah, um, yeah, and like I've never seen like that caveman looking character in the in the evolution episode, but I I figured it out. I understood you, it. But like you've seen enough of these type of show that you could write a script for that character. Yeah, and have it be indistinguishable from the original. <clears throat> you just need like the appropriate courtroom case that they're trying to parody, the how the character looks, and you could probably just write an episode on uh, on your own without too much trouble. <laughs> I think at times the humor leans a little bit too heavily on the same joke, though. I agree. Like, um, the whole race joke. Bannon and Dr. Quest are gay sort of thing, the Shaggy and Scooby are potheads sort of thing. I mean, those were specifically yeah. in the first season where they were focusing very heavily on the courtroom side of it. Mm-hmm. I think that those jokes are fine. I think that it, they work better when they're interspersed with the ridiculous office drama that is Harvey Birdman and his ensemble. Yeah, and they got better uh, at that as the seasons went on. Yeah, they really figured out their pace. Like, they really hit their stride in the second season. Yeah. And kept it for the third. Second and third. Mm -hmm. And then fourth kind of went a little too much on it, but... Maybe so. Yeah. Uh, The fourth was good, though. Yeah, no, I didn't mind it. Um, Sometimes they use the effects from the old shows, like um, the Super Friends scene transition where it's three stars moving toward you with like a... Um, Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll use things from these old shows that you kind of need to have seen the shows to get. 
But again, if, really you have, their own if there's six jokes in a row and you miss one, it's fine. They're not really their own joke, though. They're just kind of to contribute the to the old-timey, the old-timey aesthetic. Like, yes. I put that in the music and sound, that the sound effects that do show up aren't mundane, that, that aren't mundane, are mostly just scene transitions with, like, an old-timey Birdman theme riff, or, like, the latches <laughs> on a briefcase opening. Whatcha? And they're not really their own joke, they're just kind of to cement the, the setting, I guess. Yeah. So it's okay if you don't um, get the reference. It's, like, the whole three stars coming at you thing, clearly not a courtroom thing. Oh, that's an old-timey thing. That looks like an old-timey thing. You, you right. get the feeling even if you're not verbalizing it. Yeah. Um, and they can also use references to stylize an episode to reference another, like, non-cartoon work. Like, um, in the Flintstones episode, the Dabba Don, where <laughs> Fred Flintstone is a Don boss. That's right. Don boss. That's mob boss. The Don is the mob boss. Um, <laughs> like it, there were a ton of references to the Godfather and I've never seen the Godfather. So a lot of it went by me, but it, I, I was able to recognize like, oh, that's a Godfather reference. It's still funny. Yeah. I mean, they're referencing things that are so, uh, iconic in the cultural lexicon yeah. that you do pick it up. It's sort of like how long John Silver, even if you have never seen him in a work before, you know, when he's being referenced because he, you're, they're just referencing piracy, you know? Yeah, you know how pirates are. Yeah, and you know how mob, like, the, the mafia is. Same thing. Yeah. Um, one more thing on tone and genre I wanted to hit before we sure. get into animation, which is just that every mm-hmm. episode ends with everybody laughing. <laughs> sort, of, <laughs> sort of irrelevantly to how the case turned out. And yeah. I, I think what it was going for was, like, a tone shift, like, Samurai Jack. <laughs> but the thing is, it doesn't hit the same way since the whole show is goofy through and through. Yeah, I'm not really sure how to take that whole laugh at the end. I think I, think, I like I it. I mean, it's it's a consistent way to end the show on a high note in case the ending itself wasn't that good. Like, a lot of the endings are, like, kind of awkward or, like, somebody got hurt and it's not really that funny, but then they to, all laugh about it. It has to okay. remind you not to take it seriously. And it also sets up a nice, like, little finishing couch gag if they have one. Like, Avenger eating a bear, like, eating a cub or something like that. Yeah. It's not like it's the main cast all sharing the laugh either. It could be like the main cast plus whichever old cartoon was referenced plus like a mermaid for no reason. Yeah, and the bear. Um, just sharing a good laugh. This is a good This is a good time for the bear to show up. Which, by the yeah. way, we keep on talking about that bear. He's like... He, That's all he does. He, like Peter Potamus, just showed up once and everyone loved it so much that they're just like, keep on showing that bear. We love that fucking bear. <laughs> and they're just like, all right, we're going to put him in as much as we can. And there's actually a fantastic supercut of like cataloging all the scenes in which the bear shows up. I don't think it's all the scenes, but it's a good number of them. And it's just the bear noise. Just kind of like that for like a minute and a half. It's really good. <laughs> really get that Pavlovian response going. Yeah, I love that. I love that thing. <laughs> I don't know. Like when I, uh, when this is a little bit personal, but when my, uh, when my ex broke up with me, uh, mm-hmm. one of the first things that my friend did to try to cheer me up was just send me the supercut of that bear. <laughs> I'm just like, that was a good, that's a good friend. That's a friend I want to have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's all I have about, uh, tone and genre. Do, do you think that that is true? That since the whole show is goofy, the whole tone shift at the end is not really as strong as the one with Samurai Jack? I mean, it's not out of place. I just don't think that's a good way to end a end a show how would you have done it i mean punk as the episode as the episode requires just to, like end on an actual joke 
Yeah, but than have everybody laugh. It might also just be another nod to Hanna Barbera cartoons where all's well that ends well, sort of deal. That's that's true. Yeah, it, I think it might look out of place if everyone was not smiling and/or laughing at the end. Now that I think about yeah. it, yeah, I, I had associated the whole group laughter thing like high five freeze frame as the nineties, <laughs> but yeah, that, the old the old shows definitely did do that. High, I had forgotten. High five freeze frame is just is timeless, Zane. <laughs> it's, yeah, every Shakespeare show ended high five freeze frame. Yeah, with just like uh, with like Abba playing. In the in the in the background, <laughs> no, the Happy Days theme song. Oh, the Dancing Queen. <laughs> yeah, these days are happy days. <laughs> yeah, pretty much the Breakfast Club soundtrack. Also good. Credits roll. They're going too fast for you to read them. <laughs> yep, that's right. Too fast and too small. What would what would Darkseid's nemesis like? What is Darkseid again exactly? Is he an alien? He's one of the uh, he's one of the new gods on. Um, so he's semi divine. He's like no, like they call him the new gods, but they're not actually. He's just a powerful alien, like, right? I mean, they have a whole planet of powerful aliens, and they just call themselves the new gods. I'm trying to remember what the name of the planet. Dicks. It wasn't. Oh, it was Apocalypse. What the hell? Yeah, even I knew that but one. But again, spelled wrong. It was spelled wrong. But like, so what would the? There's no. Isn't it like it's a sad state of the universe that there's there there's all these avatars of ultimate evil. There's no avatar of mm. ultimate good. There's just like Superman. Uh, Solomon Grundy. Which is fine, but it's kind of not enough. <laughs> the universe got a, a gritty reboot, a gritty reboot uh, this past decade and uh still recovering. <laughs> so, animation. Yeah, there's a uh, lot to say here. <laughs> Sure thing. <laughs> it, it's it's mostly we have a lot to say about it, but it's all about the same choice of animation, which is that sometimes they just jump into the old timey style of animation, specifically in the intros, and whenever they're having like flashbacks. Yes, you know. So like they'll be they'll be talking about like Race Bannon and uh, Johnny Quest's dad, and I keep on referencing the first one just because that was when I wrote most of my notes. Um, <laughs> the, They'll be they'll be like showing a a scene with the two of them in it, and it'll look exactly like the old style of Johnny Quest, but it will be yeah. with you know different different animation. Like they're not just they're not just copy pasting, um, and they'll have the dialogue that is suitable to lead into the court case. But yeah, it's, right. It's just yeah. again again we're just evoking that nostalgia reflex. You know, giving you the context of the show that we're ripping off, and let's right. see how it develops in a modern setting. Uh, I think it's interesting that when you have the older cartoons on, like, on, in scene with the modern style, mm-hmm. uh, they don't alter them very much. You can get different animation styles together on stage at the at the same time, it, and it Did doesn't clash as much as you might think. Did that happen? Do you just I mean, mean the characters? Like, yeah, the characters. So, like, if you you know, have somebody from the Flintstones on stage, uh, on on scene, and Harvey Birdman is also there. Like the way the the body proportions are different, the shading of the lines is different. It's all that, but they look fine. Well, it's all made by Hanna Barbera. Remember, this Birdman yeah. too. Like Birdman, you just put him in a suit. He's li- it's literally the same character, <laughs> top to bottom. He does not look yeah. different at all for any reason. Um, yeah, and that's probably why it works. Yeah, probably. 
Um, you know, you couldn't you couldn't throw a Jimmy Neutron in there. No, clearly not. Unless you were doing like a Jimmy Timmy Power Hour sort of deal, which yeah, I, I don't know. It's really playing to its strengths by drawing from source material from the same set of cartoonists, so to speak. Yeah, I don't know how they um, how they used to make the old cartoons, um, but. The, the first season of this show was done in cell animation. Yeah, which um, was not which well received, and they rocky. switched over to flash animation, right? Well, yeah, which is both cheaper and better suited for the fast-paced uh, nature of the show. A lot of movements, a lot of yeah. quick cuts. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, it, and it, you know, reflects the rising popularity from the second season. It also, <clears throat> the fact that they're evoking these old-time aesthetics at the beginning of every episode makes you think at the start of every episode, how would this cartoon be different if you thought about them in a modern mindset? So they're really bringing you right up to speed to where you need to be, even if you have no knowledge coming in. Yeah, they're very good at teaching the audience and cluing them into the jokes, because the whole rest of the show is predicated on it. Yeah, and this is this is a nice like primer. Like If you were trying to tell somebody about old 60s cartoons, <clears throat> you don't want to show them a 60s cartoon. You show them Harvey Birdman, mm-hmm. and they kind of just get it. <laughs> you know? And it's yeah. fun to watch. Because, like, I don't know if you watched any of those old Hanna-Barbera cartoons. It's not not terribly easy not to watch right. a lot of that. Yeah, they don't. They didn't age very well. Um, it is impressive, though, the um, the intros, uh, like 30-second clips. And, it, and it's basically just a way of saying, uh, telling the audience, hey, uh, this is the old cartoon we're doing. This is the twist we're giving it. These Enjoy. are the jokes that we're going to make. Get used to it. <laughs> uh, okay, so Flintstones and Godfather. It, got it <laughs> yeah make it happen yeah yeah and then it jumps into that equally uh you know anachronistic opening with Birdman, yeah which can know. we talk about that for a second please let's yeah let's jump into mu- music and sound and immediately talk about the intro which is really great and i'm pretty sure i don't know if i read this right but i'm remembering that the creator of the show just kind of scatted what he would do if he wanted to use Birdman in a law office and didn't change the theme song at all from the thing that he scatted, which is why you get something like, it doesn't really make any sense. Like, I don't know if you tried to look up the lyrics for this. I did, and I don't think it's right because they say... Habeas corpus, mar the attorney. It doesn't sound exactly like words. The lyrics... The lyrics say it's supposed to be Harvey attorney both times, but it's definitely a word with an M. I don't... Yeah. I don't know. I've, <laughs> I've had that trouble all my life trying to figure that out. Yep. But the, um, that might be true for the lyrics. Uh, the music itself is based off of an old jazz song, Slow Moody Blues by Rig Tisley. Yeah. It's just uh, done up to sound faster and cooler. Which it does. Um, so I can cut that in. Like, uh, So here's Birdman. Who is the man in the suit? And here's Slow Moody Blues. Awesome. Yeah. Do that, because it's great. (laughs) I wanted to say one thing specifically about the the opening theme, which is when that... When he kisses that girl, and she slaps him, <laughs> and it says objection, and then it like shows Harvey's face, like in shadow, and it says uh, overruled, and his eyes glint. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's great. 
I, I got sort of a memory to King Arthur and the Knights of Justice where, you know, they're talking about, you know, they're talking about football while they're fighting medieval times. It's right. The idea that they're doing superhero stuff while they're, um, while they're talking in legalese is really funny. <laughs> um, and there's also a re- like, I don't know where else to put this, so I'll just keep jumping. I'll just keep going on it. Did you watch the episode with peanut hitting puberty? Uh, No. That episode is so good. They don't really oh, focus yeah. on the court case because it's in like the second season, and it's just all about Peanut getting his superpowers and like <sighs> being embarrassed to come to the front of the class to like talk about the earnings of seven and seven, and like everybody laughing at him, and he's like, like his crotch starts glowing with like a, a Birdman type shield, and like <laughs> the entire episode <laughs> is just this allegory for like hitting puberty. Oh man. They just keep on calling it Superty. It's it's really good. That's probably my favorite episode. I didn't see that one. I must have seen the aftermath because there were like three episodes where he just goes to a strip club. <laughs> That's sort of his thing. Well, what do you think of like the different voice styles for the characters? I know we talked a little bit like Birdman is supposed to be this dull kind of straight man and everybody else is a bit more ha-ha, like up and down voicing, but I don't know. Do you think it They're characterizes more the characters well? They're very theatrical, yeah. the rest of the characters. Like, Again, they know they're on a set, sort of. They're breaking the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Harvey doesn't. So that's how I took it. Um, yeah, the show makes... Um, the show does a lot of background gags. If a joke fails, you're immediately going to get hit with a different joke, so it doesn't slow you down. Right. It's great. It's like they're like in a cycle. Like This joke's on stage for this second, and then they just rotate it out it's like on a rotating platform. And so you yeah. see, like, the joke that's coming in a few seconds in the background. It's like they're trying to make sure that the audience doesn't have time to applaud so that, that it'll slow down their performance. It's like, okay, oh my go, God, go, go, go. Would, a laugh track would kill the show. Oh, absolutely. So fast. <laughs> they could do that joke, like, a couple of times, maybe. It wouldn't be too bad. Um, yeah, because it'd be different. Uh, more to the point of, you know, not slowing down the punchiness of the comedy, did you notice that there is almost no music? I didn't, actually. There's almost no music for the entirety of the show unless they're specifically doing something like a, they're riffing on like a, a product placement commercial <laughs> or something. Huh. Or they're doing like a really dramatic courtroom scene in which it would be necessary to put that big, you know, dramatic swell. But most of the time there is no music. And it makes Well, they the, don't really need it, I guess, because there's no in-between scenes. It's just a quick like, yeah. They just have and a, the they just scene. have a, whoo-ka. If they just have a you know scene transition, that's it. But it does make the hu- the comedy punchier, and it makes the humor more deadpan. I think it was an excellent decision. Definitely. Um, there aren't also that many weird sound effects. Like everything sounds more or less like it's in a law office. Like you'll just mm-hmm. the sound effects that get emphasized are like someone writing something down with a pencil or a typewriter, or walking across carpet, or something like that. <laughs> they don't really or a laser beam. Uh, yeah, or the Birdman, the that thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, granted, there's a there's a few out of place sound effects, but it's mostly law office sound effects. Yeah, they they just let the uh, let the characters' voices like fill your ears with beautiful sounds. Yeah, yeah, they're they're really emphasizing the fact that this is supposed to be the real world, if not for all of the characters in it. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, if everybody was kicked out tomorrow, this would be the set of suits. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. walk in. Hey, secretary, what's going on? Yeah. McCoy, just 
sitting there at Birdman's desk telling Olivia how, how law is done. We're going to go for murder, too. You're insane. You know? <laughs> pretty easily. Pretty easily adapted. They wouldn't even have to fire Avenger. No, because he, he really ties the room together. I He's really, like, he's he's the other straight man, I think. Avenger. <laughs> straight Despite bird. being a bird that is doing the typing, he's not really that insane either. He behaves like a yeah. bird. One more thing I have to say about the sound effects is mm-hmm. something I didn't say before in the characters because the voice acting, I didn't say this about the characters, most of the defendant voice actors, like most of the Hanna-Barbera tie-ins, is the same person. Really? Yeah, it's his name is Maurice LaMarche, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Oh, Maurice, that's... Uh... The Brain. That's The Brain, yeah. And Kiff Croker. From Futurama. Oh, I didn't know he was in this. Yeah. He's like all the he, old style go, cartoons. Go to Wikipedia right now and look up like characters and you'll see his name and then just all of the one shot characters. Some sweet typing action. <laughs> I'm doing <laughs> a very hard job of using like my mouse pad to like double click on my scrolling button so that I don't have to use the down key so that you can't hear uh-huh. it over the mic. You see it? Huh. Yeah, pretty much everyone wow. who's not a main character. How cool is that? Huh. Pretty neat. You can kind of see, like, you can kind of translate for yourself. Whenever I see two voice actors that are the same person but in different voice acting gigs, I try to mentally translate the one voice to the other to make sure it's consistent, I guess. Can you, like, go from the brain to, like, Al Kabong? Pretty easy. Well, I'm trying to think. I can't do a brain voice, but I can kabong at any time. Just do an Orson Welles voice. It's the same thing. Yeah, but I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> I'm not, Peas I'm not in even July. Peas in July. Why are you saying it like that? That's not the right emphasis. The right emphasis El is kabong. the one I'm giving you. Al Kabong. Yeah, we're not voice actors. We don't do this shit. We shouldn't yeah. do this shit. We did do no, this shit. What no am I talking about? I don't know. <laughs> All right. uh, anything else in the uh, voice voice business? I, that's that's all I got for it. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good show. I mean, did you have a favorite moment? Because I did. A favorite moment. Um, most of the jokes don't really stand out that much because they're too punchy. But there are certain like big gigantic moments that are just very funny. Um, anything with men talk. I'm a big fan. Um, yeah. There was, like, that... I didn't see it this time around. I remember there being, like, this, like, long clip show of Birdman going to jail and, like, living in jail for, like, 40 years or something. That reminds me, Am I remembering that wrong? I probably should say one more thing about the animation, which is that Uh uh, sometimes the animation will show somebody in a Birdman suit. (laughs) Like, a photorealistic (laughs) someone in a Birdman suit just, like, drinking a soda (laughs) or, like, having a night out on the town or (laughs) something like that. That's it's generally great. done during fantasies or in, like, recordings. I don't know what it oh, okay. signifies. <laughs> I don't either. I could try to, like, fit it into a grand unified theory, but as the bear has evidenced, we don't gotta worry. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> but I did want to just touch on how weird that is. What was your moment? My favorite moment, it's in the final episode, which I urge you to watch. Pretty good. Um, yeah, I watched it. Oh, good. So you remember the part where... So the, the the setup for the final episode is that Birdman's trials all get overturned, and he has to yes. retry everyone, and there's this... And he does it all in a sentence. He does this completely nonsensical supercut of his first 37 cases in order to say one gigantic tub of, like, 
just legalese gumbo. And yeah, like, <laughs> if you can cut that in, I will be so happy. <laughs> so, Your Honor, the matter before you is simply... Deep breath. <gasps> Camera starts on race. Should a child's guardian, Pando Apache, who suffers injury at the hand of a coffee conglomerate with Panda Shaggy Scooby, be allowed to misconstrue foolish behavior as a result of revolutionary political beliefs, all the while flouting copyright protection, RICO statutes, and public indecency laws, therefore encouraging discrimination and negligence, as well as the great strides we've made vis-a-vis automobile safety and drug legislation. Second Amendment and... 26! And, uh... First Amendment rights working toward a positive future, or will we devolve to a barbaric past? Should we duck these decisions or confront them, removing all wrinkles and doubts? 16 seconds. It takes merely the simplest leap to unearth a distinction between savage past and barbarism. Four, three, 37 38. Rules for dictated by a roll of the dice. To that I say, be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. Uh-uh, don't rub that. I won't. Are you finished? I think so. See you in a week. Your Honor. What? Do you have a ruling? Oh, that. All judgments stand as previously ordered. I did it? I did it! You did it! Thirty-seven cases all at once! Maybe I am a lawyer after all. (laughs) Yeah, it's super Uh, good. Yeah. Like, he's not even... He's not even explaining anything about the case. He's just using a word related to the people he represented. Yeah, it's like Strong Bad's rock opera. It's really fun. Yes. And in the style <laughs> of the show, it references a supercut, which I'm also very happy about. All right. Yeah, that's all I got. Surprisingly, this is a, not that interesting a show to talk about, I guess, just because there is no like darker subplot that I can find. At least that's how I felt it's, about it. It's candy. It's delicious. Yeah, there's just not much to it. It's just empty calories, sort of. Um, I would <laughs> like to uh, go on record as stating I don't want to do too many modern humor shows for that exact reason. No. I think it's more fun no. to talk about a Knights of Justice or a uh, Hamtaro or something. <laughs> you know, where it's not I needed a little refresher from all of the uh, deep talk about cosmology we've been doing. Yeah, chalk And zone. the human condition. But uh, no, I, I'm glad we did this one. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's it's a very... Yeah, I, I don't think we'll need to do another modern humor show for a while, but it would be incomplete without doing at least one of them. Yeah. And I like the whole, you know, drawing on this entire Hanna-Barbera codex in order to make a show. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is really great. Very thematically so, united. Um, so what what are we doing next? Well, next time we are doing another anime because why not? Um, you demanded it. Yes, the people have spoken, and the people are just me and my other three personalities. Ha ha. Uh, playing with myself. Um, so <laughs> Foursome. The, uh, the next show that we're going to do is The Big O. Or it's actually just ha, Big ha, O, but it's... The Big it's... O! Ha <laughs> ha! Anus. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll be doing plenty of those, don't worry. And uh, uh, based yeah. on a Japanese manga, of course, because it's an anime. <laughs> That appeared yeah, on Toonami. I, I still haven't looked into it yet. Neither have I. Um, but I'm actually really me. looking forward to it. I want more hmm. fluency with mech anime. I think this is going to be a really good example. And uh, what are we doing after that, Zane? After that, um, I thought that we'd check out um, Dave the Barbarian. Ooh, Dave the Barbarian getting the Disney. Okay. I don't know if we've yeah, done much had, Disney. Uh, it's one of those shows that I had completely forgotten about until I, you know 
saw it, I was like, oh yeah, that was surprisingly good. If you say so, <laughs> I don't think it was that good. But I, I remember enjoying it. I, I remember very few parts of it that I dislike. Um, so it didn't maybe, go. On, it wasn't. It wasn't a very long series. It didn't last very long. Maybe I just don't remember it very well. In any case, we will find out next time. So in the meantime, yeah. like us on Facebook, um, review us on iTunes, or tell your friends about us. If you can comment at all about either Big O or. Uh, uh, that other thing that I said, or that you said. David, David Barbarian. Barbarian, thank you. If you can comment about it, we'd love to read your comments online. If you've got a lot to say yeah, about and it, feel free to ask to join us. Yeah, and if you're not sure if um, we heard from you, just be sure to ask us if we got that thing you sent us. Uh, everyone get out of here. <laughs>